If you struggle with no-shows or cancellations, listen in for the three things you can do to optimize clinical buy-in so your patients show up for their sessions. Hello, friends. This is Lynn Schulte, and you are listening to the Birth Healing Summit podcast. We are here for meaningful conversations that will transform the way you work with pregnant and postpartum clients. Whether it is a new perspective, tool, or technique, you'll be able to implement it into your practice today. I invite you to sit back, listen with an open mind, and grab the golden nugget today's guest has to offer. Now let's get started. Today, I am so blessed to have with us Dr. Nicole Cozine. She is a pelvic health physical therapist. She's the owner of Pelvic Sanity in Orange County, California, and also Pelvic PT Rising, which is an online educational platform for pelvic rehab providers. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Lynn, for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. So, you know, you, I'd say of all the PTs, I think you're the one that's doing it all. comes to running is you're doing a, a fabulous job of running your own clinic um teaching other pts and you're doing all the social media you're doing podcasts you've written a book i mean what haven't you done nicole yeah i know the other thing we added to the list was uh where i, I co-founded pelvicon this I year, know. last year so uh yeah it's it's actually been fun it's a journey it's actually really funny to see it all laid out like that because I don't feel like it's not like I set out and said I'm going to do these 17,000 things it's just like it's been an evolution um and it's been really exciting to sort of see where my career's gone and all the things Isn't that fun as a PT I mean when I know when I started out I I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing today. Don't you love the journey and the process? Yeah, same. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like the impact, what I've found is that, you know, I did struggle a little bit as I was realizing I couldn't do it all actually. So I couldn't see my 40 patient hours, you know, yeah, all the time. And then, so I had to decrease that a little bit actually, and quite a bit actually, um, in order to, you know, do all these other things, but you're still having an impact for people. Um, And if anything, it's actually multiplied in that way. And so that's actually been really a cool thing to really see come to light as well. Yeah. Well, I know when I, when I reached out to you about doing the interview for the podcast and also the birth healing summit, um, I was, I was just like in awe. I'm like, Nicole, how do you do it all? How do you manage it all? And I think your, your answer was really important here. And yeah, you have your husband helping you. I have my hu- I have help, you know, and I feel like yeah. it's it I think it's so easy for all of us to have comparisonitis a little bit. Be yes. like, well, she's doing everything and oh my gosh, look at all those things and it's like it's like a little duck, you know, or I'm cruising across but underneath it all there's like a lot of people helping us super supportive family. Um, Jesse is my like right-hand person, both in life and in business, and we both do pelvic PT rising for business and clinical. And then he also runs the back end back office portion of pelvic sanity. And so together we've sort of done that. And so there's really two people doing it. And so, right. So it's a good lesson in making sure that you're comparing apples to apples too, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I've just, I've been fortunate enough. I I grew my PT practice, um, you know, first, and then I started the Institute for Birth Healing and I have the team with the Institute for Birth Healing. And once, 
you know, I was kind of doing both. And then once COVID hit, I like stopped doing anything for my clinic and just focused on the Institute. And, and now I'm just like in the last five, six months, then like, okay, I got to get that going again. You know, like you really, you cannot let any part of your business just kind of coast. No, definitely not. And there has, and you have to decide, you know, who's going to be the people to help you along the way to get it so that you're not just coasting. Cause otherwise you have to start over in a lot of ways, um, you know, with marketing and all kinds of stuff. Well, which is where I'm at right now, you know, but the thing is, is that I didn't, and I think this is for another podcast because we do have another topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah, Um, we promise. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, what I've always been concerned about being careful what I create and, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, for my practice, I didn't want to create it any bigger because it was just me and I was busy enough. And when you have a wait list and you, you know, so, but now I've got more therapists that want to come support me. So I want to build it bigger so that, because now I have the support. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the most important thing to, I think, to take away from all of this is that it's an evolution um, and it's okay that it's not perfect or your, your, your end vision at the beginning, right? It's like, we've both sort of evolved into where we currently are. So absolutely. Well said, well said. Okay. So let's jump into our topic today for this podcast, which is three ways to get clinical buy-in to help your clients or patients, however you, um, uh, determine how, whatever you call your people, your people, people, right. Okay. So Colton, how do we help get our clients to buy into what we want them to do? Yeah. So I think we could take it one half a beat back and just talk about like the fact that we all need to understand that as pelvic rehab providers, as pelvic health practitioners, that we can't help people unless they're coming in and seeing us, right? If we have an in-person business, they have to be there. Honestly, even if they have, if you have a virtual business, they have to be interfacing with you in some way. Um, And so where I feel like, right. They have to show up. They have to show up in some way and they have to like pick up what you're putting down. Right. Um, And so what, what is interesting, especially when you're working for somebody else, for people that haven't started their own business yet, um, the current system doesn't teach us to prioritize that fact. A lot of times people come from a place where they're handed clients, right? It's like, and if somebody drops off or falls off, you have somebody else filling that slot and it takes a very special person and with an entrepreneurial brain to be like, Hey, what happened to so-and-so? Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we actually are, are primed to sort of not care about that. And then all of a sudden we decide to go out on our own. We open our own businesses. And then we, we are very rudely awakened by the fact that we do have have to care about that. And people can't get better unless they're actually showing up for us. And so what does that look like um, for us? And this is where I love talking about the intersection of, of where clinical buy-in meets growing your business, because those two things go hand in hand. Um, one of the other things that I think people assume a lot is that when they open their business and they're seeing some sort of challenge with clients coming in and showing up and or dropping off that 
that we have a marketing problem. Oh, I just need to get more clients. And when you look at it from the business perspective, a lot of times we usually don't have as big of a marketing problem as we think we do. What we actually have is a is a clinical buy and we're not doing as great of a job optimizing the journey of somebody that has already come in and made contact with you at your clinic. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. So, so how do we do that? Um, <laughs> yeah. So how do we do, what do we do? So I feel like that step one is identifying all of those things. Is this actually happening to you? Um, right. And so, so we're going to talk about three ways that you can sort of make sure that you are uh, three things that you can make sure that you're doing in every session and with every client or patient um, to make sure that you're optimizing that clinical buy-in. So number one okay. is that we need to be using, and this is hard for us because we're such public health nerds, um, patient-centered language on wow. what you think is happening and what you found to be related to their symptoms. So I want you to put yourself in your patient's shoes or your client's shoes. They're coming in with some sort of pelvic health concern. They're looking to you for your expertise. And if we are all of a sudden going into clinician mode, and we do, we get excited. We, we know we can help them. We have this pelvic thing that we see. We've got pelvic floor muscle assessments. We've got all anything that you know, this nerve is bothering this muscle, all the things. But if we can't relate that to what they're coming in for and in patient-centered language, then in a in a very succinct way, not giving them a laundry list of 18,000 things you found on your evaluation, but what are like the, I usually use the top three. What are the top three things we've found today that is the reason why you're in here? And you, and the key is using patient-centered language. So we, there's, I need you to fill, like, figure out, like, what are your little analogies that you use? Um, All kinds of stuff like that so that you can connect with them on a level that they're going to understand and that they'll remember. Right. So important. For instance, like, you know, if we're, if we're talking about like a pelvic floor muscle that's irritated, um, versus a nerve that's irritated or something, you know, one of the, one of my favorite, one of my, um, old, uh, people that used to work for me said this amazing thing, right? She was like, muscles are like dogs, nerves are like cats, right? So when we're working on a scared cat, so when we're working on these muscles, isn't it right? That's going to stick with people's brains now. So when I'm working on a muscle, we can do, we we have to work on it a certain way. When I'm working on a nerve, we have to be a lot more like, you know, cautiously moving around that area. We don't really want to poke that nerve too much. Otherwise the cat's going to hiss and get pissed off. So things like that, like when, when we're presenting what's the matter to the patient that we've seen, how can we show them and get them to like understand what's going on, but in patient centered terms or little analogies like that. And that will actually help your client to buy into more of what you're doing, right? Because they're going to remember what you said. They're not going to remember that their pubococcygeus <laughs> is irritating their the left side of their pedendal nerve, right? right. They're going to remember that I have a, a, a muscle problem that is irritating a nerve and that nerve is like a cat and we have to be 
you know, a little bit cautious about how we approach that nerve, right? We can get it to calm down, but we got to be a little bit, you know, cautious about that. So whatever. So, but but you kind of get my point, right? Absolutely. I'm I'm just thinking of all the anatomy terms, right? The levator ani muscle, your coccygeus muscle, and the, the, you know, all those names, whoo, right over our clients' heads. So, and even saying something like, you know, the, the tailbone, this is your tailbone. This is at the end of your spine. This is why this little thing right here is why we you're and look, it's attached to your back. So this is why your back pain might be influencing your pelvic floor and you can show them on there. Right. So it's not saying you're, you know, you're coccyx is is hyperflexed at this sort of angle. And that's what's causing your lumbar spine to be, you know, it's, it's, it's much more simple than that. And I think a lot of clinicians struggle with, with saying things like that, because it's not a hundred percent accurate, right? It's not a hundred percent exactly what it says in Netter Anatomy. Um, But that's okay. Yeah. We have to be careful that we're not talking over our clients' heads. And yes. so, yeah, so I love that point. We shouldn't be talking over our clients' heads because then they're they're gonna leave confused. Totally. Don't want them and not remember. Yeah, and and then they're not gonna you know understand the importance of what we found too. Exactly, and that's a perfect lead into number two, which is we want I want you when you're getting when you're thinking about clinical buy-in to think about. I want you to be able to outline again in a relatively succinct way what it's like to work with you. What is the progression of, of the journey of what it is to work with you? Um, for, for me as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I have a specific way of talking about that. There's four phases of treatment. Um, and so I outline for those patients and clients, like what it's like to work with you, what happens in phase one, that's where we're figuring it out. What happens in phase two, that's where we're, you know, addressing all of the things we just found. Phase three is challenging. Phase four is being on your own, still guided. So they can kind of see the path. I if love we, that. Yeah. If we only talk about the first couple of visits or we're allowing them to fill in a ton of gaps that might not be accurate for how either how long something's going to take, how short something's going to take. And so we really need to make sure that they understand at, in my instance, pelvic sanity, which is my brick and mortar clinic. This is what it looks like. And, and also making sure that we don't have to say how many visits that is, right? We have other ways of signposting to them what it's like to be successful here. And so I think that if we can help them to see and lay out the path, give them the roadmap, and then tell them where we're going to be going, then I feel like that can also be huge with your retention and the buy-in initially. And then they're not going to necessarily cancel their third visit because we're still working on this one part, right? So it really gets them to sort of understand like the path. And that's really, really important. I love that. I love that. I mean, everybody wants to know where they're going and, and, exactly. and, you know, the fact that you're explaining how you're going to help them to get there is huge for their buy-in. That's excellent. Yeah. And the other thing is for, for our clinic, especially too, especially if you're in the wellness space and you believe that we have a, a place in our patient's journeys beyond just symptom resolution, that's also where we, for us, 
the the symptom decrease is half the journey is only half then after then in phase three and phase four we're in a less symptom state while we are now working on optimizing right so now the patient understands that it's not they're not just going to stop right when they start to feel better we have some more work to do type of a thing so that's number two okay And then the last one, the last one is the most, probably the most simple, but I think the one that we forget to do the most. And that is, I want you all to, to make sure that you specifically tell them early and often that you, you're in the right place. I can help you. And we have a plan to figure this out together. Wow. Like that's the, Got the chills. <laughs> because, because we forget. I think we get yeah. so excited um, with all of our pelvic health nerd knowledge um, that we just forget to just be super simple with you're in the right place. Like I've seen this before. Awesome. I can help you. We are, we've got this. I've got you. We're going to do this together. And people remember, don't retain very much information from what we're, when we're talking, I think there was some, I don't know if it was a study or whatever, but in general, people retain like 10 to 20% of what they hear. Right. And so we need to make sure that we're pausing in this, in this state and saying like, I can help you because if that's the only thing that they remember, they're going to make sure that they come back then. Awesome. That it's helping them to, to, to feel that support from you. Right. Yes. And, and yes. Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome message that we need to make sure we get through to our clients. Yeah. And sure. I'm talking like physically say those words, like not just think them with your heart, yes. <laughs> not just like really feel them, not the vibe of your clinic, but actually physically say those words to the person in front of you can be so powerful. And then now, if we do all of those things, now they understand. And number one, they understand. That they what their issue is and how it's related to their symptoms they are going to remember it because you've come up with some really cool ways of explaining. You've outlined for them now what it's like to work with them and what it's like to be successful at your practice or clinic. And then you've reminded them that they're in the right place, that you can help them. That is really hard to say no to. That's really hard to you prior, prioritize something else above. Um, and so then that's how we can get that, that clinical meets business buying. If, if you can do that clinically, then you're going to get your client and patient coming back to your practice, um, and then having a successful outcome. And then now we are having a good review and all the things can help that grow your business. And it all starts with being clinically, um, present and, and helping your patient to see that, that clinical buy-in. Right. It, it's taking what we know in our head and getting it out of our mouth in a way that our clients can fully understand it and hear it. Yes. So they're going to be coming back. Oh my gosh, Nicole, that was just huge, 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 huge. Three very clear steps that we can all implement today. And I'm so grateful for you for sharing that. You actually have a gift for us too that you can download in the show notes. So tell us about that real quick. Yeah. So what this is, is basically like if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, gosh, you know, I'm not sure. How do I know? How do I know if I'm getting good clinical buy-in? Um, and we have a download 
little self-assessment for you. It is five little questions that you can answer um, to and to see, is this something that you need to work on? My guess is, is that no one's perfect. And that yes, there are aspects of it that can be um, improved, but it can help you to see where you might want to start this process to get this uh, dialed in a little bit better for both your patients and clients and your business. That's awesome, Nicole. I can't, I'm, I'm going to have to check that out because yeah, even, you know, I've been in practice for over 30 plus years and I think I could improve on those three steps as well. Yes, so yes, 100%. Such, always a work in progress. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> such great information, Nicole. Thank you so much. Any parting words or tips that you would like to say before we say goodbye to everybody? Um, no, I just want to re actually, well, yes, one thing I will reiterate that, that, that this is important, right? I'm going to say the same thing we said at the beginning. This is important because if our patients and clients are not coming into our clinic and working with us and they can't get their, they can't get the care that they need. And so we need them to understand this. And it's our job to communicate this with them in a way that they're going to understand. And, and then everybody's happy and, and our business is then thriving. Awesome. Oh my gosh. That is so well said, Nicole. Thank you so much for sharing those three pearl wisdoms with pearls of wisdoms with us today. Um, Thanks for having me, Lynn. Yeah. Thank you. And everybody, please put those three steps into practice and let's get your businesses thriving. Let's support our clients in really getting the full care that they need. in in getting better. So thank you, Nicole, so much. Thanks everybody for listening in and please check out the downloadable gift that Nicole has in the show notes and we will see you all on the next episode. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Institute for Birth Healing. To learn more, visit instituteforbirthhealing.com. Use podcast 50 to receive $50 off of any online course.